I'm Snuffleupagus's post-grad school drag persona, Conde Nasty. And I'm here to shatter all your retrograde heteronormative fantasies. I'm Hersel of the Sea Bitch. And this is... Reading RuPaul's Drag Race. The show where we talk about whatever we want. But mostly Drag Race. Uh, so this is week two. I think week one, all things considered, actually worked out pretty well. We had a couple kinks, but things are going smoothly. Thank you for all of those of you who are turning in, tuning in again. Um, Hersla, you are looking very snatched today. That is absolutely how you wear a pussycat wig. It is, girl, it nearly looks animated on the head of yours. Because this is such a visual medium, yes, I, I'm, I'm reclining in my pussycat wig and caftan feeling feeling very relaxed today because this is a very early hour for me. I know it's a normal hour for normal people, but this this is too early to be doing anything for me. Yeah, Hersla is sitting reposed in an armchair with a Manhattan in hand, ready to answer questions, spill tea and truth for the children. She is she is ready, as goddess intended. Hallelujah. Um, so let's get started on uh, let's get started on this episode then. Oh yeah. Okay, uh, so this is season 11, episode 2 of Drag Race. Uh, so the girls re-enter the workroom, and Soju did leave the charming message, I love all my sisters, have fun. And sisters was spelled a la the word sis, reminding us of her uh, sis as she left, because God forbid she leave that alone. Um, and the other girls noted that we're watching Brooklyn Heights, and Brooklyn Heights said good. Uh do you, did you have any thoughts on the re-entry into the workroom, Hersla? Okay, I am. I understand you got to take the memes where the good Lord gives them to you, but I would work real hard on shifting the narrative from the cyst. Just, just putting that out there. Secret that into the universe. Something other than. Yeah, the I feel like having watched Soju's YouTube channel, she is a weird oversharer who is like manages to be very charming. That it doesn't surprise me that she's like leaning in. Okay. Um, I, I think, weirdly, she's got a, a relatable, funny tone for whom this is not going to... Like, frankly, Monet Exchange, like, if I ever see her, I'm going to beat her with a sponge um, because no one cares. Yeah. <laughs> like, why did you lean into that so much? Uh, but uh, Because but she's so a lazy queen who had one idea. Sorry. Said it. Meant it. <laughs> we'll get into All-Stars 4 as on a bonus episode. I have thoughts and feelings. I'm not going to... to I'm not going to, you know, punish anybody by sharing them now. But yeah, My only thing about the workroom is, uh, okay, I'm not saying Scarlet Envy was as bad as Milk, uh, because that's not true. I am saying I am lightly triggered any time someone complains about being safe. It is, it, I find, it's just annoying to me in a person. Yeah, I mean, everything she was giving to me was saying safe, so... But I think it is very hard to have any self-awareness in this environment at this point, I, which I sympathize with. There was nothing, like, I wasn't looking at her and thinking she belonged anywhere but middle of the pack. So it was interesting that she was, like, felt very confidently that she would be winning. Yeah. That, that surprised me. But, you know, I... I, I you really have to be like deeply lacking in self-awareness for me to compare you to milk. Like milk all starts three was a whole other beast. He came in and I was excited for him to redeem himself a little and he did anything, but so, um, all right. So 
Uh, when they re-enter the workroom, then the next day, Silky initiates Mary Fuck Kill, and Kahana, being really nice, says that he would marry Silky, and then says that he would kill Silky, kind of passively agreeing to what everybody else was suggesting along the way, and everyone starts noting that they would kill Silky. So, that is interesting. Well, uh, right I mean, off the bat. The, the toothpaste recommended by four out of five dentists can't be wrong, and neither can the Mary Fuck Kill prognosis of fourteen out of thirteen out of thirteen drag queens. Yeah, um, no. <laughs> I, I concur. Um so the mini challenge is a photobomb challenge. Brooklyn uh gave us Suzanne Summers' realness and managed to do this challenge in a way that was like comedically sexual and political. She looked surprisingly composed and not raunchy while doing it. I, I've got a, a photobomb challenge is always something where I feel like the queens are competing to kind of gross us out a little bit or be real, real raunchy in a way that I'm like, this isn't fun for me. Yeah, one, I will say maybe it was just the blonde wig and the very acrobatic pose, but uh, Brooklyn remind me of Katya in that moment because I think it's something Katya would have done. And Kati is very good at that intersection of genuinely funny and lightly upsetting. Yeah, no, I can. I, I, yes, she lives at that avenue. Yeah. Um, so silky. Like, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just saying, like, so that one worked. But yeah, let's let's talk about Silky and all the things that that whole thing made me feel. Um, you get into it, girl. She was the other winner for the challenge. And this one was unearned, let's just say it. Like, the last one was fine. She looked, she lucked into wearing a contrasting color to the red room and took a great photo. That win was fine. This win was nakedly, haha, stirring the pot. Like, it was, that was, and what really got me about this was, first of all, Silky just kept ramping it up, but, like, without any plan. And that's what you were saying about, like, the, the just the increasing attempt to, go gross or raunchy without, like, you can do raunchy as a drag queen. Many of them do. Um, but it has to do something. You have to, like, now that you're there, why are we here? And the part that really bothered me personally was when she got fully naked, yes, I understand she is so fat that one of her roles obscures her genitals. I, I, I get that as a, as a fact of what I was looking at. But the lack of even a courtesy blur kind of bothered me because yeah, if, if Silky were a woman and also did not have genitals on the outside that you could not see unless she spread her legs, they still would have done a blur. So like, it was this weird, like the fact that they did not view a naked Silky as a the way they would have treated literally anyone else's human body on even cable television was yeah. weirdly dehumanizing, so I'm left in this very uncomfortable space, which I'm both mad at and sorry for Silky, and that is a lot of feelings for me to have at once. Okay, I, I see where you're coming from on that. I I strongly agree with you that Silky won the photo challenge last week and did not this week. It definitely felt like it bypassed body positivity by a long shot. It just flew straight by at 90 miles an hour. It was a whole other beast. And you you are right about I agree with your sentiments on the lack of blurring. Um, like they do you have any other... Brooklyn's Go junk ahead. in padding. Now, I get it. 
Brooklyn is clearly a eight foot tall of Scandinavian descent. I'm sure it's I'm, I'm sure it's like a beer can down there, but it's also like you you blurred that when it was technically under clothing when you didn't blur this other person's actual naked body, largely because you viewed their body as something not body like, and that's just a lot to process. And you know, World of Wonder is not up to that level of you know work on body sensitivity. <laughs> No, they, they definitely are not. Um, my honorable mention for the mini challenge would be Evie Oddly. I thought she gave us, like, bath salt crazy club kid girl behind, like, an old picture of Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie. Um, it was pretty... I thought it was impactful and had a point of view, whereas I feel like a lot of the other stuff was just kind of just gross. Um so yeah, not you know what? Moving on. I feel like we've talked a lot about the mini challenge. Hey, we, we've covered it. Moving on from the mini challenge before we go into the maxi challenge. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's time for a commercial break, but unfortunately we don't have any sponsors. So while today's episode is not brought to you by Casper, I just want to tell you about my Casper mattress and how much I love it. The Stay Cool Memory Foam supports you while you sleep and will easily bear the weight of two grown men violating God's laws. And it also comes in an impossibly tiny box, so when you set it up. You feel like Harry fucking Houdini. So go to Casper.com and buy yourself a mattress. We don't have a discount code for you, but you should pay retail. You're worth it. And now back to the show. All right. So on to the maxi challenge. Uh, I don't know if there was a title for it or a hashtag. There usually is. I think this time it was hashtag drag race. I think Rue is, like, cleaning it up. But um, yeah, It has been hashtag the- drag race for, like, two, three seasons now where there's, like, one brand. Yeah, which is wise, honestly. More people will hashtag it that way. Yeah. Um, I think these are movie parody sequels, is is how we usually refers to them. Um, so they are Good God Girl, Get Out, a parody on Get Out, and Why I Gotta Be Black, Panther, a parody on Black Panther. I want you to note that you just landed the Black Panther, the intonation of the Black Panther joke, like an orbit above Brooklyn Heights attempting to Beyonce what? That was so I, I know to your skill and just wanted to, to compliment it. Oh, I'll take it. I love I love you know I love the dolls love praise. Yeah. Um so the winners of the mini challenge, Silky and Brooklyn, were choosing the queens. Silky seemed to be focused explicitly on picking girls of color, which I believe she stated at one point. Brooklyn seemed to be intentionally choosing queens that she knew had acting backgrounds, uh, regardless of color. But obviously, given that Silky's technique, Brooklyn ended up with, I think, only one black queen in her group, Roger O'Hara, um, for the Black Panther Challenge, which was an interesting setup. Um, I thought it was odd that Brooklyn asked Plastique to do a Vietnamese nail technician cliche unapologetically, but Plastique heard it and ran with it very well, so... Uh, on that, that made me feel a little uncomfortable. Like, there's a difference between a queen volunteering this and being asked to do it. Like, when when Manila or Kim Chi brings some piece of their Asian heritage and has fun with it, even if it gets close to a line, that's one thing. Being asked, just do this stereotype, did it made me feel a lot. I agree with you about Brooklyn asking. That said, I think... It worked out well for Plastique, and it and that that 
performance was a lot more than just an accent, and I was very impressed by her. Um, I think on Silky's team, Kahana was set up to fail, given two lines. Uh, Vanji seemed confused, uh, so that was interesting. Um, in the workroom, this was the thing of note to me prior to them actually doing the, the films. When Rue came in and asked a bunch of po- probing questions to the team, to Brooklyn's team, trying to get as much like, who do you think is going to do a bad job? Who do you think is too much like this? It was the most artless way in which RuPaul has ever attempted to stir up drama on this show and produce drama that I have ever seen. I suspect the reason that he came in doing that so quickly, so early in the season, honestly, is that I bet the production crew told them, hey, last week, Silky was sucking up all the air in the room and all of these quiet, like, straight-A student pageant girls silently did their makeup at their mirrors and didn't engage. And I think Rue is already alarmed at the amount of air in the room that Silky is soaking up and that everybody else is not doing anything or saying anything or talking to one another. Um, it was crazy to me. I don't know how you felt, but it was it was wild. It was wildly artless. I can't believe they didn't even like edit it down to look not so like, hey, I'm a producer behind the stage at The Bachelorette and I'm trying to get these two girls to get into a fight. What, did you, what are your thoughts? I've just monologued on this. No, no, and I, I, I co-sign all of that. But it was what was weird for me was just, I mean, again, I'm not a child. Um, I know the show has always been produced, even back when it was like Vaseline on the Lens season one. But it was like, it was never so upsettingly obvious as it was in that in that moment, where it was like RuPaul literally said, give me something for the... Like, had Ru said act out for the cameras for me it would have been at least more directly honest like it was just so blatant and weirdly artless from a queen whose entire career has been built on being artful it's just and and having finesse for stuff like that yeah it was just yeah i agree yeah it, it was like watching betty davis in whatever happened to baby jane when she starts singing that song again it was just like it, it was the first time I ever thought of Rue really past it in a way, you know? Like, yeah. Oh, totally. It stood out to me. Like, I actually loved this episode overall and thought it was a great episode. That stood out to me as, like, I will never forget that moment. That stood out to me in a really big way. It's like the uh, last time I had that feeling was the first time I beat my father at chess and he and I realized he didn't let me win. It was like that moment of like, oh, we are mortal and we lose things. Oh God. Like it was just weird. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, that was, that was fascinating. Um, so the black Panther set, um, let's talk about the, the, I guess the period in the episode where they were the filming, the sequels. Sh- sh- I'm just going to go with that. Um, so Brooklyn was seeming to want to do a, whiny, limp-wristed, one-note white girl, and delivered lines with the same kind of mealy-mouthed tone. I think she chose a perspective and a type of character that was a comedically terrible choice. I Like, there was no discussion about how or why she was going to go 
with that and in any part in the episode. I think it was a terrible choice. It was super one note. She wasn't responding to any of the notes on how she should perform it differently. She has thus far been noted as a shining star in this season and has performed as such, but it became abundantly clear during this challenge that she cannot act, and a lot of these other girls can, and I think the show is moving in the direction of a lot more acting challenges and a lot more of the queens coming in have experience acting, and Brooklyn did a poor job, I felt, both in the in the the filming and the final product. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I can continue on. No, it, it, again, in this very visual medium of podcast, you can see me gently nodding. Uh, yeah, that. Yeah. Oof. And like again, like any queen, like any queen who can follow directions will be usually okay. After the third time, it, it was like. And maybe it was the edit intentionally making her look this way, but, like, the Beyonce Say What is a very straightforward joke. Yeah. It's, like, literally, we are adding words on to a known phrase to reference something. Like, it could not be more direct. And, like, you, if someone didn't speak English and was not familiar with the idiomatic phrase Say What, you could still just teach them phonetically Beyonce Say What. And you tilt, you dip your chin a little to indicate a stress on the say. And, like... I could teach it to aliens. You're right. And she wasn't picking it up at all. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. Um, uh, Sh- uh, Sugar, uh, she did a fucking perfect job as Stoner anti-Maxine. Just a masterful comedic performance. I'm assuming she's a trained actress. There's no way this was her first time at the rodeo. I said this before. I said this last week. She's 40 years old. She's just been doing drag for a year and a half. She's a New York City girl. Like, I'm going to say this. I think she's one of those girls who has worked in things that are drag adjacent and has done other things that by the time she put all the pieces together to do drag, she may have only been doing it for a year and a half, but she had a lot in the can already. Because, like, that Maxine Waters, like, I mean, anti-Maxine, but whatever, obviously, Maxine Waters joint hit was perfect like they needed two takes and it was perfect right and like i'll say that this is proof that having the two like uh you know chi chi and sex and the kitty girl like getting the smallest part or like what was the the other one from last season um season 10 the uh breast world where it's like if you have one line but you make them laugh you're the winner yeah yeah no i agree um Plastique was perfect and added a whole lot of interesting characterization and delivered her character perfectly. She had the right physicality and facial sort of expressions. She was looking at the camera. I think she, I think it was bizarre that Brooklyn asked her to do the character the way she did. I think Plastique took that and ran with it. And the performance was a lot more than just an accent. Um, Frankly, like the fact that she is so young and so has the like technical technicals down visually, but then was able to be like, I, I'm not actually an actress, but I can like pull this out pretty easily. She to me is somebody where I, I wasn't writing her off in any way. She really impressed me. I, I feel like we will be watching her. Uh, I, I've kind of been thinking about her like, uh, like I just rewatched uh, season eight. I kind of been thinking about her like Naomi Smalls a little, where it's like, it would be real easy to think of her as just pretty, but 
she's got something there. Yeah. Oh no, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so Raja O'Hara, what did you think of Raja's performance? Uh, it was just one of, it, it, it wasn't bad, bad. And it's certainly the one they picked. It, 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 this was, there was a little editing nonsense in the, in this one too, where it's like, they made it look like she flubbed literally every take. And then in the runway, they showed us a completed take that was not going to win right. an Oscar, but it was fine. Um, so it was like you were leaning into creating the narrative a little too blatantly. You know, okay, she's not an actress. She dropped her line. But, it, I mean, it, it wasn't like the my face didn't crack. It was just inexperienced and not great on that basis, you know? Um, yeah, so my actual feeling is that, like, last week I said she kind of feels dead in the eyes, and I'm not really getting good vibes from her. Um, I actually, I'm going to be honest, like, I do think they did edit to make her, like, not hitting her mark while staying her line right twice. Like, ooh, she's really struggling. I felt like she had a very, I mean, my read on Chicago Panther was this is a little Vixen-inspired, and Vixen has a very, like, like an athletic physicality about the way she moves. I thought Raja really embodied that in the way she carried herself. I, as much as I think they were trying to make me think she was struggling, I don't think she struggled at all. I was actually very, was it the best performance? No. Do I think she did a great job? I think she did a great job, honestly. Like, I, I thought it was very good. Um, her her tone was good. I thought her delivery was good. Her eye contact was good. I think there's a very specific way in which you have to play that type of character, and she did it for me. Um yeah. Uh, for me, the, oh, yeah, that, that, you know, I'm done. Moving on. Um, so on to the second sequel. Good girl, get, good god girl, get out. Um, so Evie oddly, uh, I thought she did a great job of night, not quite overacting. Like it was very drag acting and she managed to deliver lines in a way that were like, I'm a cliche, like, white suburban girl, but also I'm demented and evil and there's something happening under this. I I I was worried she was going to be a contrarian who was just there to be a contrarian, but maybe not to be talented. And I'm very happy to see this performance come out of her. I, I, I'm, I'm there. And again, this is a, another like call out to the edits for the promo people. Uh, between last week and this week, every edit uh, that they did put Michelle and Ross making concerned face as a response to her demonic laugh. And in the moment, it was great and it killed. Uh, so just I get so annoyed at that. Like, stop. I know how to feel. I have all the feelings. You don't need to instruct me which ones to have. Just show me the damn show. That aside, um, Evie was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah arced perfectly. Yep. And she played well with Scarlet Envy, which, you know, it was one of those, like, the two queens you expect least to get along, because if nothing else, Scarlet embodies the aesthetic Evie stands in contrast to. And, like, you, you, you just... You, they worked very well together. I don't think... It wasn't quite the level of, like, Sasha and Shay in Season 9, but... They played well off each other. Their scene was cohesive and complete, which is not something you could say for many other segments in either of the 
sequels. Um, yeah, so I'm going to disagree with you. I think that Scarlet makes a big point to be like, I am an androgynous Twinkie guy who does drag, and I really rely on like my natural features in a way that is like contrarian, naturalistic, kind of, the way that he talks about it. So I don't think that Scarlet and I don't think that Scarlet and Evie, I think Scarlet and Evie are the contrarians amongst pageant girls. Now, is their contrarian view different? Yes. Do I think that that makes them two who would be more likely to align together in this environment? Also, yes. Um, something of note is that during this time, they did do takes where they focused on the performances of everybody in this, but never, Scarlet was like, in every scene, but they never really did like a, oh, here she's screwing up or here she's whatever. We got no sense of what, how her performance was going during the filming. Um, Banji was fucking hilarious trying to play a dorky dad. Like I love her vocal intonations. She struggled so much and you could see the fear in her face. Um, but it was charming. <laughs> And I want so many good things for her. Yeah, it, it's a very Alyssa quality where even even when she's screwing up, the screw up is independently hilarious. Yeah, and adorable. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Like, I love Banji. I want like I want her to go so far. I want such good things for her. Her attempt at Dorky Dad was so perfectly wrong. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, I completely agree. Um. So, moving on, uh, Mercedes was terrible, and Kahana was fucked from jump with this role and being paired with Mercedes. I honestly felt when I was watching that, Opalens, you own everything <laughs> performance that, uh, like, Kahana could vogue. With, like, she's a gymnast and a dancer who, who moves and has the vocal, like, staccato that she could have done that Vogue perfectly. And Mercedes following and being like, touch all this silky skin, sensually. Like, given just the physicality and vocal intonations of both of those girls, I think literally switching them and they would have been, would have worked so much better. Uh, and that was the like glaring air that was staring at my in my face where I was like, flip them, you need to flip them. Well, I think the judges asked them, did you coordinate? And, you know, going back into the mists of time when um, Shangela and Alexis Mateo had that, like, paired uh, sci-fi movie shtick. And they, oh, yeah. they, like, honed their looks and their responses so that they were, like, they were, like, speaking simultaneously perfectly. Like, that and that it was it was very impressive and rightfully so. So, yeah, like, you're right. In the room, that would have been rotate because this will suit literally your styles much more yeah no immediately like i was watching it and i was like you're killing me you're killing me um silky could not deliver her lines but got there with them they worked with her a lot um i yeah we'll talk about silky later um let's go to the main stage so Rue walks in with a wakanda themed look where with one long arm that's very like african garb and then one sort of exposed arm. I thought it was great. Um, it is a familiar silhouette for her, but a different look, very Wakanda, um, the, the, except for the asymmetry. I'm going to say this. 
This is the one episode that I think it would have made a lot of sense for Rue to give us bald drag with, like, big, gorgeous earrings, a la, like, all of the beautiful women in uh, Black Panther. And I think we all would have been gagged. And I think all of the discussions about Rue always wears a different version of the same thing would have been, like, silenced for a good, like, two years with one bald Wakanda-themed look. But that's me. It would have made up entirely for the misstep in the workroom. <laughs> oh, completely. Completely. I'd be like, this is a different era of drag, okay? <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Uh, the guest judges were Sidel Knoll and Bobby Moynihan. I love a straight man who is, like, famous and a big stand for this show, who, like, actually knows the canon. Like, I mean, rarely am I like, we need more straight white male representation, but I'm glad we had any straight white male representation from somebody who actually like loves the show. When the judges are living their best lives, that's it's just a delight to see. Like you know, they, they usually don't have anything too too insightful to say. Um, but just the the fandom on display was charming as fuck, and I will watching him watch the lip sync was epic. Oh, completely, completely. Um, I do feel like the show, the history of the judges is interesting. I think that, like, early on you would get, like, I don't know, there have been times where it's, like, a lot of judges who just show up to be nice or they're famous-ish and they'll just show up and they're not going to say too, too much. I do think the show has been moving in the direction of, like, who is a famous person who is, like, a stand for this show who openly talks about this show in a way that makes it abundantly clear that they watch it a lot and that's who we're going to bring in or that they like at least get it. I will never forget Padma Lakshmi showing up with the like fastidious attention to detail in judging that she brings to any judges panel. I love Padma Lakshmi. She's one of my all time favorite guests. I love that right away. She was like, yeah, Calorie Kardashian seems, I get the sense that she's very out of her league here. Like, she just said what none of the other judges was saying, very candidly. Like, she's not, and, and in any interviews where people ask her about how direct she is in judging, she's like, well, I don't want to lie to them. Like, I, this is my job. Um, so yeah, I, I, I appreciated the judges. Sorry. I, I think I just turned that into me standing for Padma Lakshmi for, for my own sake. Uh, also, yeah, I think somewhere about season five or six, it started shifting from, like, it, the judging early in the show was, who are you, or why the fuck are you here? And it was usually because they had something to plug. And, uh, yeah, I think once the show got real popular, there were enough people that, even if they also had something to plug, they could get people who were genuine yeah, yeah. fans. Or at least understood it. Um like I, I just rewatched, uh, I just rewatched the one when uh, David and Amy Sedaris were judges, and that was just yeah, oh yeah, perfect. for sure. Like <laughs> for sure, I wish the one where uh, Lena Headey was there, she was actually giving really great notes on acting, and Michelle Visage, who is not a trained or accomplished actress anywhere near the level of Lena Headey, and has absolutely no business telling her literally the opposite is true jump down her throat. I would love an episode where Michelle shut the fuck up and let Lena Headey actually, like, give good act acting advice to the girls in an acting challenge. 
Yeah, this is as good as place as any to point to, to let the listeners know, uh, like a tertiary reason for forming this podcast is Condi has a lot of beef with Michelle Visage's opinions, and we're just here to very subtly dissect all of them. I actually like Michelle Visage, but I do think she is discomfortingly arrogant nine out of ten times on the judges panel. Like, she doesn't get things, and so she writes them off as opposed to even pausing for a moment to try to get them all of the time. I think she's in an impossible position. I still think she could do it better. Um, Shout out to Pandora Box. We saw it. Yeah. No. Oh my God. <laughs> Pandora Box. Like, all, like she was why I stopped watching season two originally. I was like, how dare they? This comedic genius comes on and they're not even seeing it. How dare they? Um, so, all right. Getting to the runway. The runway category is what's your sign? Uh, so our first look is Brooklyn Heights. She is a Pisces. She has an amazing dress that has a, has the two fish swirling on it. It's blue and orange, but predominantly blue. And it has a sort of plasticky water look to it and a collar piece that is intended to look like a splash. That looks like the most uncomfortable thing I could ever imagine wearing. It looks like if you tried to sit down in it, it would literally crack. Uh, it looked, honestly, it looked amazing. Um, it was a lot and it was unique. Um, I did not like her face. I'm, okay. I'm just going to say right. it. Um, too heavy, the cheekbone a little too, like, I don't know. It just looks weird and aging, and, but I agree. Yeah, the, dress no, is stunning. I, the dress was stunning. Um, and then we had Plastic Tiara and Aries, which is a ram. She was wearing gold and black. Uh, she had a really interesting gold metallic structured shawl, which looked pretty much like a gold version of what Alyssa wore. The silver shoulder shawl metallic thing that uh, Alyssa wore during All-Star Season 2, the Future of Drag Challenge. Um, I know there's a gay couple in Dallas that Alyssa gets a lot of her stuff from and works with on her costume design. I am imagining that that is where Plastic got this. And it looked great and added the right level of, like, draggy opulence and, like, animal to this. Uh, the boots were not as gold as the shawl, which did not bother me at all. But I think somebody noted that. Um, Raja is a Capricorn, which is, so a goat. Um, sometimes it's represented as a goat-fish hybrid. I think she just came down as a goat. You know, I did not know about that goat-fish hybrid thing until this episode. I literally thought Capricorn was just straight-up goat, and I had to, like, Wikipedia it. So I, I learned something this week. You know, education is a journey. Well, I think astrology also is something where it's like, it was this, and then it was this. In this place, it was this. Like, it's predominantly a goat. I, she went with a goat, and I and I like it. She did her shaped her hair to look like horns, which I think gave a good drag illusion. She did her makeup very well. Again, I was Raja was somebody who I was like unapologetically sleeping on last week, and this week, all right, you you've got you've, you've impressed me. You showed me some things. Um, Nina West, Leo Lion. Uh, so again, I think everyone knows already that I really, really, really want to love Nina West and I want her to impress me. The crown that she had did give a little bit of lion mane. The orange red wig went, I think, a little too far past lion into clown ter territory. She had a black dress with a, with like 
orange embroidered details, including a lion head on her breast. And coming from it was like these sort of extending pieces that almost looked like feathers. It gave me more phoenix or koi fish embroidery than lion. It's not that it was bad. It's a good gown. Like, it just conceptually, there's so much else you could do, and you weren't like you weren't right on your colors. What are you? Like, what are you doing? I'm so disappointed. Um, uh, and then Honey Davenport came out. She's also a Leo and a lion, and she did this fucking perfectly. She described it as imagine if Diana Ross was the lion in The Wiz, and I agree. That was great. Like that's the line that says, "I really thought about it." And that's what, and I think legitimately that does impress the judges. Like, even if they don't like the finished product subjectively, if they know you had a clear thought that you executed well, they'll, they'll give you credit yeah. for that. Yeah. No, I feel like Nina West is like a very accomplished comedic actress styled drag queen. Girl, you went with like that orange that's almost red clown orange. And black, you didn't go with like anything in the Browns and Golds family for Lion. What are you doing? Um, but whatever. So Sugar came out. She was a Scorpio. She's our only Scorpio. You and I are both Scorpios. So I'm not surprised that Sugar is the only Scorpion because we are far too fiery people for the conformity that the pageant world would call. And this is definitely the pageant season. This is the legacy season. Um, the fact that we have so many Pisces and Aries is not surprising to me in the slightest. Um, my feeling on Sugarcane's look is spiritually, did she capture, she's, she's giving us black and red. She's giving us sexy, venomous, um, like fiery, kind of scary, sexy. And like all of that is spiritually. Scorpio for days. I connect. Thank you, girl. You rep me well. But you're not showing us, like, anything that is saying Scorpion, Scorpio. So it wasn't quite literal enough. But in terms of, like, capturing the spirit, I personally, as a Scorpio, I fucking live. I don't think it's going to go well on a runway, but I live. I'm going to say degree of difficulty is hardest for the Scorpio because anything you do, like adding the pinchers or the tail, is going to look like sea crustacean yep. at that scale. So like uh, other than coming down the runway and telling people how I'll hate them for the rest of my life with my eyes, I don't know what else you do to portray Scorpio on the <laughs> runway. <so. laughs> I agree with that assessment. Um, so Ariel Versace is next. Uh, Ariel is an Aries Ram. She came down looking exactly like I'd imagined. She described herself as very, like Lisa Frank, Frank drag. And I think she did that perfectly. Um, I'm not going to clock her for this. I think a lot of times when somebody does something super cutesy like that, they get knocked inherently on the show. Is it my bag? No, it's not my bag. Do I think she executed it perfectly for what she was aiming for? Yeah. I think she executed it perfectly. I liked the way she styled that purple wig too. Just a little bit at the edges with a little curl. It somehow gave me cartoon animal in a way that I appreciated. I like her. I love her from the neck up. I think the dress, uh, the skirt, and the top, and maybe it's just because it's the fur material. It's like it weirdly cuts her because she, she's shorter, and it thickens her because of the volume of the material. I thought the dress itself it was made her look a little stumpy, but from the neck up, she's gorgeous, and I totally agree that this kind of like 
My Little Pony, Lisa Frank, Drag Queen totally worked for her. It just the the materials in the dress itself made her look weirdly thicker than she Okay, was. that didn't really bother me. I, if anything, I think it works with the shape of the animal. <laughs> um, so Silky was next. She's a Capricorn, a goat. She came down in a blue and white marshmallowish kind of thing that had a space dye feel on the main body and then sort of I think the connecting parts between her limbs was supposed to be like the hair. She had the sort of uh, hoof covers for her legs and her arms. I think this was one of the worst things on the runway. I think Silky really struggled to deliver her lines in the main challenge. I think her runway was one of the worst. The fact that she was not even kept on the stage with the like, seven or eight people who stayed on the stage is that you struggled a little this look isn't it is part for me of how production is like we're not getting rid of her she's one of two people with a personality here um but as far as i'm concerned silky do i think she belonged bottom two no because the bottom two were terrible do i think silky should have been low and told such absolutely we need to, if nothing else, I'm curious what will happen when someone reads her to her face. Will she have a meltdown? Will she, will she disclose that she has, you know, rabies, whatever, like, like whatever her, like, I'm curious how she will respond to direct criticism. And this was definitely a week in which not only could they have, they should Yeah, have. I know, for sure. Um, so... Evie Oddly is a Leo. She came down as a digital lion that gave you a very avatar feel, but in a good way. She performed it perfectly, giving you little bits of lion and animal and little bits of animatronic. I suspect this is something that she had from something else that fit or something, because it seems kind of arbitrary to do, like, robot or animatronic. But, like, I'm not clocking it for that. That's neither here nor there. She did a good job. It was interesting. It was an interesting take. Do I think the digital part was, like, totally random? Yes. Do I think that it's nonetheless fit the challenge was, like, different and interesting and a lot of fun? Absolutely. Um, I thought she did a great job. Oh, yeah. I'm, like, I'm just looking at, like, a close-up of the hair and makeup. Perfect. Oh, perfect. Uh, so, moving on to our favorite, Vanjie Libra. Please give us your monologue, this floral scale piece. How was she not clutching in the top? her pearls? Clutching her pearls. Go on, go on. Like I get she was not Catherine fucking Hepburn in the challenge, but she was funny and she eventually landed it. And watching her go out, clearly supporting the cups of the of the scales with her hands to make the pain in her head less. Oh my god! <laughs> like it was clear that that she was like trying to take some of the what must be 30, 40 pounds on her hairline. And I love this. Like, again, Libra, uh, the scales are a very hard look to incorporate into drag. So I feel like this, like, obnoxiously literal flower girl thing she did was hilarious. And in the details, very well achieved. Her feet, that headpiece is amazing. And the scale, like, <laughs> her fumbling with those things was hilarious. I like. Agree. <laughs> just that should have been at least a t like a high I agree. Scene I agree. For me. Um, she's yeah, no, for sure. Oh my god, as always, she's traumatized. Like she's like, hey, Violet Chachki, teach me your ways. Um, so Akira Davenport was next. She was a Pisces. 
She had a perfectly contoured, beautiful, sparkly gown that gave you definitely like a very aquatic water feel. It had two fish embroidered pieces on it where only the tail was coming off of the gown. Um, I thought it was great. It was very pageant, but pageant who is fine going like costumey drag. Um, I, I liked it. I thought it was a gorgeous gown. She balanced the hair well. Her wig work has been Yeah, no, I'm impressed amazing. with her. Um, I'm impressed with her. Her runways both weeks, to me, have really stood out. She might not be winning the challenges, but she is somebody who I hope is aware that she's catching people's eyes, that she's doing well. So we'll see what she does. That wig, and it's it's built like a wedding cake. Like, it's got layers and depth, and, like, I, I, think, I think the Lesser Queen would have just done, like, a single big like Buffon or something like there is real work in that hair and it matches and balances uh, the dress. Well, all right. Um, so next we have Mercedes Sagittarius. She was an archer centaur. Um, I thought that she looked out of her league. The bow and arrow was cute, but she did. She talked about her commanding presence and owning the stage and she didn't do that. She should have been holding that, like, bow taut most, if not all, of the time on the stage where she was going to do that. Um, it felt a little more like 80s, like, politically incorrect movie tribal dancer than anything that was giving me centaur, but she did have a tail. Um, again, this look for me just said, I'm out of my league. She was holding the arrow like a pencil next to the bow, and that was yep. really weird. Yeah. Uh, Kahana... She had a look that's also said, I'm out of my league, and then she tore her dress, which she could have turned into a playful reveal and pulled up that Siobhan real-like, sexy-like, but she just kept walking, which wasn't the worst thing to do. Um, it was a great flowy yellow dress with a matching wig and horns. The fabric gave me a little, like, soothsayer realness. I'm going to tell you your horoscope. Otherwise, it would have felt like she really arbitrarily just picked a pretty thing she had. Um, she doesn't do a breastplate, but she has such like a lean, taut, manly body and she put glitter on her chest, which I think looks way less like a woman with glitter on her breasts and way more like a man, as Rue said, like a man with chest hair, which it did. Um, I think that she needs to wear more padding than she does in her drag. Um, yeah. And the shoes did not go with the dress. They were like, they looked silver to me. If they were gold, they were such a pale gold that in, next to the dress, they registered as silver in a way that looked like they were clashing. Um, so not great. Um, I think somewhere along the lines, I missed Scarlet, but Scarlet came down, or she was last, I'm not sure. But Scarlet came down. She was also a Pisces, I believe. Uh, and her look gave me very, like, seahorse. She had... She had bubbles. I really liked the way that her hair was up. She was somebody who I think you could have identified as sort of playing a nebulous sea creature. She's giving you a little, are you a mermaid, a seahorse, a fish? But it worked. I, I frankly, like, I loved it. And I thought the contouring um, with the blue and white makeup was expertly done. I, I thought it was great. Oh, yeah. No, she looked great. Uh, I, I liked when it's like, I've never seen someone contour their breasts with blue before. Like, no, she, she and she, she gave herself like that, like modeled 
green bluish skin that doesn't it somehow doesn't read as corpse which i think it really easily could have yeah really yeah well no, i agree um so black panther was they so they played the movies uh black panther was actually funny um i think suge was a big part of that versace and brooklyn's basic white girls routine was not over the top enough to be funny and they weren't likable um i think everybody else overall did a great job Plastique was really funny. Like, there was something about the way she held her arm out, knowing it would be deleted for the green screen, that made the, like, uh, what, poncho or whatever she was wearing look much better as a result. Like, had she just kept her arm at the side, it would have looked weirdly. Like, it was, it was one of those tiny choices that I think really speaks to her ability to present herself well. And this is as good a place as any to say, I spent most of that whole Black Panther sequence feeling very uncomfortable. Like, Putting the white queens in, like, the, you know, like, the dots around the eyes and mouth or, like, the little, like, square on the lower lip, it was a very pastiche, like, like you said, like, that, like, 1980s politically incorrect pastiche of, like, a tribal person, that's what a lot of their makeup looked like. Especially, like, Black Panther, part of its resonance with its audience was every single, like, piece of art, and, like, on, on walls or on people was very carefully chosen. It was very consciously not a randomized hodgepodge of quote-unquote African art. It was very thoughtfully pulled from very specific sources. So, like, on top of just the, like, how uncomfortable, it was just, like, I'm not in blackface, but I'm at, like, the bus station at the border of blackface, and it made me feel very awkward. I, I felt some of that. I, I Maybe not... I don't know if I was quite as uncomfortable as you, but I, I definitely, I see all of that. I, I felt much of that. I thought it was odd that these were the two movies they went with. And if you're going to do a reversal, I absolutely would have been giving the scripts to the, to the opposite cast. Cause I would have, that would have been my concern. Um, whereas I feel like doing a parody of get out, that's not really about race, but about drag Queens, giving it to the mostly white girls doesn't have any loaded subtext. So that was weird. I thought I, that stood out to me as like a terrible choice and the girls had to like make do with it. I, I blame production more than the drag queens. No, totally, totally. And for doing what they clearly had to do, the white queens acquitted themselves as inoffensively as possible. Yep. <laughs> uh, the white and non-black, I mean the non-black queens really. But yeah, yeah. Get Out, uh, I think... Evie killed it and was just the right level of like normal and demonic. Um, and she did a lot of eye contact to communicate a lot. I'm extremely impressed in watching her. I bet she's going to get an agent after this. I thought she did a phenomenal fucking job. She is absolutely camera ready. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I thought she killed it. Um, I think Akira did a good job both in the performance and on the runway and didn't really get noted in either instance because it's not because the show is more concerned with producing itself than like actually judging the queen's performances um anymore in a way that this episode uh, we'll get to when we get to who was left on stage but i have a lot of feelings um scarlet did the part i i think i agree with ross's assessment that that kind of panicked person is a role where if you give it to a lot of people, they just give you the same 
note over and over again the whole time. And I think that Scarlett did a good job of finding the organic peaks and valleys without being instructed. I agree with their assessment. That's a role where it's like, you have to play those things organically responding to each moment and create those peaks and valleys for yourself in a way that makes sense, given everything that's going around that character. And she did it perfectly. Akira was the DMV friend, right? Am I misremembering? Yeah. Yeah. She was great. And again, that tiny part can be so great, especially as is the case here, as is the case with all the action challenges in this era of Drag Race. The scripts aren't great. They're not good. They're not even good. They're not even good. So if you only have two lines, you have to you have to wade through less bizarrely stilted dialogue. So if you just have to show up at the end and be briefly funny, you're kind of being set up to do the best work because you don't have to engage in this really flaccid parody of two much better movies. You just have to come on and be funny for two seconds, which you should be able to do. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Um Silky and Vanji were rough-ish, and that's fine. Um, I, I will credit where credit's due. Uh, when Silky came out for the movie, uh, like, her face was beat. Like, her makeup was really good. I liked her in a soft wig, too. Um, I think so... even before she got naked in the mini-challenge, her makeup was really good. Like, like I remember thinking, like, wow, for 15 minutes, you, you turned it out. All right, so now the judges' critique. So who is sent to the back of the stage as safe right away? Akira Davenport is sent away as safe. I think she had a phenomenal gown, and she did a good performance. I think she's somebody who performed in a way that, do I think she should have won? No. Do I think that she should have been noted as high and kept on the stage for doing a good job in both things? Absolutely, but they don't care because that's not interesting, so they don't do that anymore. Uh, Honey Davenport did fine in both her role and the runway. She was safe. I think that's a good call. I think she was high safe, for sure. Uh, Nina West was safe. Raja was safe. Uh, Silky and Vanjie were all safe as well. Um, so then who did they keep? The, the low two that they kept up uh, were Ariel Versace and Brooklyn Heights. I think Brooklyn both for their performances. They both did a good job um, on the runway, but their performances were lacking. I think that was reasonable. I also think that this time it seemed like they were intentionally keeping keeping the people up where they did a really good job in one part and a really bad job in the other to just kind of talk to them about it. Plastic Tiara was the only one who stayed up where it was like, you did a good job in both of them. You did not win, but you did a good job in both of them. So our winners are Evie Oddly and Scarlet. I think the dual winning is interesting because I feel like the show is, I mean, All-Stars 4 we're doing dual winners. We're doing a dual winner week two. Sure, dual winner is a lot. Why not? Um, I think they both did a good job, so I'm not going to. I think Evie won and Scarlet did very well, but sure. Yeah, no, I'm not mad at it. Um, and then... Do you have any thoughts on, on, on any of the the queens I've discussed thus far in the judging? No, I, I like I, I will I will restate my objection that Silky should have been on stage because she did badly in both. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and then uh, the 
bottom two were Mercedes and Kahana. And I think like they did, they both did the worst performance. They had a negligible role. Mercedes did it poorly, which Kahana was fucked both because it was literally the tiniest role of the whole thing. And she had to shadow somebody with a second tiniest role who was really struggling. And then their runways were underwhelming. Um, these were so clearly the bottom two. Yeah, no, no question. Yeah, Silky was saved by how badly they did. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree, I agree. Um, and then, so these two lip synced against each other for Work It by Britney Spears. What did you think of the lip sync? I was surprised by, by Mercedes. She she turned it on. Like, she really had some energy and some specificity that I enjoyed. And then Kahana was just... It's this this trend of the very athletic lip sync, where it's like you're an excellent dancer, obviously, but yeah. some aspect of the lip sync that I think gets lost in the death drop mania that drag has become is part of it is the illusion that you are actually singing it. Yep. Um, like I think neither of them had the words perfectly, but when you're twirling around, it's like. You, if you just want to dance to the song, I'll pay my $5 to watch you dance to a song. You're a talented dancer. Um, I just, it, it, like, part of a lip sync for me is that even if it's not, you know, my eyes on your lips the entire time clocking how well you sync your lips to the words, but, like, I want you to connect me to the song, at least through your performance. It's why something like Latrice Royale just doing a park and bark works, because both for the song specifically and her style you felt that song through her performance. And I will say Mercedes actually did that for me. Like she had energy in the, the Mercedes dancing felt specific to highlight and give the song an arc. Whereas Kahana was like, I'm literally going to do every dance move. I know as quickly as I can do them. Yeah, no, I agree. I like Kahana. I'm not going to lie. She looks so much like an ex of mine that like, I feel a, a like level of empathy for Kahana that is more than I want to be feeling. Like I, I'm like, Oh, I'm worried about you. Um, I feel that Kahana knew she was bottom two second week and the like desperation and sadness in her eyes and like glimpses of defeat occasionally broke my heart. Uh, I think that she was dancing in a way that seemed desperate more than anything else. She at one point attempted to do some kind of flip that sh she was then worried about Mercedes. So she like stopped herself and went to the side and tried to do something, but it just looked like, you know, a, a gym gymnastics routine where like a kid ran into the thing and stopped somebody doing a backflip. It was, it was hard to watch. Um, I did not think that Mercedes would suddenly be able to turn it out and make eye contact and have life and energy on the stage because she's been so mousy up until this moment. Um, I think it was clear that Mercedes definitely won. Um, I do like the energy that Kahana has. And I'm going to be honest, like, this show never sends trade home. They never send trade home. That's why Pearl made it to the top three. That's why Cameron Michaels lasted that long. They just will not send trade home. So I almost feel sorry for Kahana that she did so poorly that they actually had to send trade home this week. This early. Yeah, I know. I mean, Kahana will be fine. She's very pretty. She is very talented. And I'll say, despite being eliminated so early, with some tempering 
if they bought Kahana back for a later All-Stars, I would not be as mad as other queens they brought back from All-Stars who did less well. I'd be willing to give her a second go-around. I would much rather they bring Kahana back as, like, uh, you are welcome on a normal season again. The All-Star, I mean, I know that All-Stars has become RuPaul's Drag Race participants as opposed to All-Stars. I have not seen a Shea Coulee, so I don't know what you're doing calling this an All-Stars season. She left her message which they actually showed us, which was, For the first time, I felt like I truly belonged. Thanks for embracing me and making me feel loved. XOXO Kahana. Always the optimist. Such a sweetheart. Um, I'm sad to see her go. Uh, Rue does a little shout-out to Jocelyn Fox by saying, Want, want, and grabbing her breast. That seemed random. I know this is the leg- legacy season, but I was just like, I mean, I love Jocelyn Fox. That felt out of nowhere for me, but sure. Like, I mean, I am here for it. Um, and that was the end of the episode. Do you have any thoughts? I am. Um, let's see. If I was at a, like a five or a six on the optimism scale, I'm now at a six or a seven. I think enough queens shook out consistently talented over two episodes that I am slightly less worried that this season will be bad. I remain worried at an 11 out of 10 that the artless attempts to produce drama will fall completely flat. Oh yeah. No, I, this, I feel like the thing that to me defines the third stage of drag race, as we've discussed it before is the on like the legacy element, the, Drag is no longer contrarian or countercultural quite so much, so you get a lot more like straight A uptight gays who are not avant garde doing it, so it's totally different. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me is the show has gotten so arrogant in its own confidence in producing itself that it doesn't even try to pull one over on us despite having control of all of the footage. Like the artless attempts to manufacture drama at this point are just it's like, I would say it's insulting, but I'm like, I, clearly you're not even trying to conceal your shenanigans in any way anymore at all. You don't care. Um, and that's fine. Uh, I would agree with your sentiments on the Queens. Like, I think that a lot more people with acting experience are coming into this, and the show is leaning more into that, which I honestly think is a bigger career and better launching pad and acting is obviously drag adjacent much of the time. It isn't, it was interesting to realize how many of these Queens clearly know how to act. Um, I think more than a lot of other seasons, frankly, more than the quote unquote all-star seasons they're producing in recent years. uh, These Queens actually know how to act. I am sure that the, uh, Snatch game that we have coming up will be much better than what we got in All Stars 3. And, uh. Yeah. I was thinking about that. We're not gonna, unless they start doing double eliminations, we are not gonna see All Stars for like two months. What do you mean we're not gonna see All Stars for two months? There are now 14 queens. I think the most they've ever had in a Snatch game was seven or eight. So a month and a half. Like, we have to eliminate six more queens to get to a snatchable game. I think it's often nine. Is it? I'm, okay, I'm gonna. Th- yeah. Still, we got a we got a ways to go. Yeah, no, I know, but but I'm not gonna lie. Like, I think the show is leaning more into acting, and I think the contestants coming in have more acting experience. So I think it's changing. Obviously, I've indicated that there are ways in which this show and this and drag has changed that I'm not thrilled with. 
this is something I'm actually excited about, about the show. This was, to me, this was a great episode of Drag Race. Was this a great episode of our podcast? Probably not. I was a little too structured. Planning on going the Goldilocks route and being a little less structured for week three already. But was it a great episode of Drag Race? It was a great episode of Drag Race. I really enjoyed it. I was impressed with how many of these girls were great actresses. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. And and, and don't worry, Condi. It's it's okay to be the Chi Chi domain of podcasts. We're 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 sweet. We're charming, and we'll figure it out. All right, all right. Just be fair, girl. Be fair. I've been about four times. Oh, oh, Chi Chi. And I am telling you, I'm not going. Okay, so I, I think that's it for this episode. Um, we'll be back uh, next week with a. With, the ne- with next week's episode, uh, subscribe to us and review us on iTunes and Stitcher and wherever you get your podcasts, and uh, we'll see you then. Yeah, bye. Let me tell you about my squatty potty. <laughs>